0: This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Squarespace, the fastest, easiest, most professional and user-friendly way to make your very own website, portfolio, blog or online store. And if you go to squarespace.com and use the offer code thumbs when you're ready to check out, you can get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain.
1: I'm bummed that we're missing Mario Odyssey by like like a week. Mm. That's too bad. But that means the next time next you have played a lot of it. Hopefully of, it means like that. Like, if I'm, it just came yeah. out and we just talked about it, then. yeah, I'm very excited about it, though. I've been playing so much Switch. It's ah, it's good. I like a Nintendo. Says, idle thumbs is Jake. The very first game I talked about in idle thumbs was, I think, the Wario platformer on GameCube.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think it was on GameCube. It
0: wasn't. It was 2008's Wario Land Shake It on the Wii.
2: I'm going to be bummed that they're not
1: the, the hottest Mario takes included, but that's okay. Yeah. They can find out about a month later when the world, when Mario Backlash has already hit. <laughs> and I'm a huge outlier. <laughs> it's November 2nd, 2017.
0: This is Idle Thumbs three hundred thirteen. I am Chris Remo. I'm Nick Rutkin. I'm Jake Rodkin. Welcome back to video games. Thanks. Yeah. I've never left video games, Chris. That's true. Yeah. Accurate enough. Um, how are you guys doing?
2: Alright. Okay. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Hey, you, okay. Know, hey. you know, you hey. know. Hey. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I have been playing a lot of Cuphead. Mm. That is something that I actually meant to talk about last episode, and we ended up having so many other things that we discussed that we never got to Cuphead.
2: Oh.
1: Um, Do you think you were Cuphead's millionth customer?
0: No, I definitely wasn't. Okay. Because that happened, I think, within the last week or so. And I have been playing it. Is for a few
1: knowing weeks. your Cuphead purchase number? Cuphead hit a million units very fast. Yeah, which is amazing. I mean, it's awesome. Like, yeah, great for that studio. Do you think knowing though your Cuphead purchase number is going to eventually be like knowing your ICQ number or like your Twitter join date or something? <laughs> Where you're like, oh, my sure Cuphead number was three six four five five, and someone's like, wow, it's only a five digit Cuphead purchase <laughs> number. <laughs> Holy shit! Um, must have been really like on that Cuphead train. Wh- why do
0: you? Th- why is it that you claim Cuphead in particular? Because
1: it just had. Cuphead's just, I don't know, because it hit a million units really fast. And yeah. uh, it's like a weird indie game, so there could be some, like, cred for how early you got in on. That's not true. On, like, multiple E3 keynote featured, uh, yeah. first party embellished. Yeah. That's just the state of indie games, Chris, you know? If you're a... I don't like, know what I'm talking about at if this you, point. Yeah, I don't
0: either. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you buy a Call of Duty or something, I, are you... Do you I mean, get to hold up your like
1: you, ten millionth you also, as a
0: lo- as like a yeah. total cool
1: number? Yeah, man. Where we are like, I was there on the I got w- it was a Midnight Camper for Call of Duty. Mm. Also, my name on Xbox Live is a Midnight Camper. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean I tried to pre order Cup and I couldn't. I don't think they had a very They were long, always all full. Of the the, yeah, the yeah, cooler just, people than you yeah, clogged yeah. up that those pre order pipes. Yeah. <laughs> I got my I got like pe- people. People had all the blockbuster uh, slips and or the, no, not blockbuster. Best Buy, Best Buy. Remember when you get the slip? Yeah, oh, the receipt. The, the, yeah, 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 yeah. But but
1: they like run out of them because they only had so mm. many. Yeah, and I this didn't digital get marketplace. It's, uh, Cuphead yeah. uh, to get back to its analog roots introduced artificial scarcity. So even with all mm. of those things, it was um, no. What what fuck, Chris? This talk is about
0: the Cuphead. most worthless Cuphead. Yeah. Hi, yeah.
1: new podcast,
0: Chris. What's Cuphead about and how is it? Cuphead is as probably <laughs> most people would know, given how well it is sold. Uh, especially for a game of that scale. Cuphead is a side-scrolling uh, kind of boss battle-oriented um, platform slash kind of almost bullet hell-ish. I mean, it's a it's a side-scroller boss battle collection, basically. Um, there are levels that are not boss battles, but, it is, but they are not. I don't think they're even critical path content. You don't think you have to complete them to complete the game. That's, that's what it seems to me. Um, it is a bunch of boss battles, and the notable thing about it—the really, really notable thing about it—is uh, that it is all the hundred, basically a hundred percent hand animated in an incredible um, kind of style mashup between uh, sort of pre-Disney, I guess, kind of like Fleischman era um, animated cartoons and the sort of post-like Disney era lushly illustrated, very smooth animation, technical prowess. Like
1: early multicam, like Snow White through sort of mid-century Disney. And, And the
0: effect is that it is easily, easily, easily one of the absolute most overwhelmingly beautiful games I have encountered in a long, long time. It is, I the first time I, I mean, I'd seen lots of screenshots. I'd seen videos of Cuphead because this game was, as Jake said, was promoted heavily by Microsoft as a first-party indie title. Uh, So, I mean, it was definitely out there a lot. I played it on... I played the PC version for what that's worth, but with a game like this, it probably looks pretty much identical on any platform. And I, even having seen a bunch of materials ahead of time, I was not prepared for how much with, like, headphones on in front of my screen, how much this thing just knocked my goddamn socks off with how beautiful it is it is an incredible visual achievement i would go so far as to say that that is the principal value of this game which sounds like a diss but like it's not that the game isn't fun it is it's also fucking impossible it's really hard it's shockingly difficult for a game that trades so heavily on its beauty which is something that is that's also on, true
1: of like Ori in the Blind Forest, a very different aesthetic, but like everyone looked at yeah. how beautiful that game was, and then it was brutal.
0: I would say Ori gameplay wise is still more welcoming than Cuphead. I mean, to be fair, Cuphead does have a. Every time you you enter a level in Cuphead, um, you choose between normal difficulty, which is, like in any other game, would be considered hard or brutal difficulty, uh, or what I think what is called simple mode. Simple. I have not played simple. Because you're a um, gamer. Because I'm i I'm, I'm me, and I just can't bring myself to do it. But I I maybe would have tried it by now had I not read online that it actually removes some amount of content from the game. I guess one oh, of the really? ways in which it makes it easier is to simply skip. Certain oh, no, things. that's
3: true. Actually, I did play it once, and what happens is so if, like, the boss battles in this game have phases often. Yeah, they're all
0: multi-always. They're oh, all multi-boss yeah, phases yeah. get
1: removed. Oh, that means you So you're I don't know. I don't the, know what he's going to say.
3: The first. So, uh, in my experience, it's been the first two phases are simple, and the last phase is re- reserved for normal. So. Yeah, yeah okay.
1: Yeah, I see. Is, yeah. That's probably a lot of cool animation that you'd miss out it on. It is. Though. Actually, yeah.
0: see, that's a bummer because.
3: A completely new, you know, drawing is basically... I mean, like, because there are just new... Like, the boss often just, like, transforms into a completely different thing. Yes, they... Yes.
0: And the level of, like, imaginativeness in terms of how... Like, what the different phases are is amazing. Like, the concepts are so weird. Like, the... One of the great things this draws from that sort of, I guess, 20s and 30s... ...era animation is just how strange... And fever mm-hmm. dream like the ideas often are. I would mean, almost feel like,
1: like an animator as they're drawing, th- working through a piece of animation. Just as the drawing starts to change, they'll just sort of lean into it and make it yeah. go somewhere.
0: Yeah, weird. Yeah, early, yeah. Early Disney stuff has that too, and the sort of the Snow White is kind of the like turning point into this more naturalistic style. But like you know, pre Snow White feature film animation often had mm. this just bizarre frenetic quality that I do think actually thematically works well with. You know, I think against all odds, to me, kind of, and obviously that's why I'm not the person who would come up with a game like this, but works really well with the brutal platformer gameplay. It feels, Mm -hmm. like, harsh and unforgiving and strange and, like, alienating almost, except that it is so goddamn beautiful that it doesn't actually feel alienating. It feels just, like, wonderful and beautiful and, like, surprising and delightful. It is such a huge incentive to push through how brutally challenging it is. It is one of the, str- it is just a strange
1: combination of things. I, that weird menace though, that is in those old yeah, cartoons absolutely. is cool that they're yes. using that yeah. for like, they lean to into communicate. I'm a thing that is, tr- I'm, I'm antagonizing you mm-hmm. exactly, mechanically yeah. as well as aesthetically.
0: I mean, mm-hmm. the thing that is, uh, the thing that is genuinely unfortunate about it to some degree is that, I mean, I'm definitely someone who. You know, there are certain kinds of very difficult games that I take to, and there are certain kinds that I don't, and this is one of the ones that I do. Say that again.
1: Oh, I said interactive when you said that I take to. Sorry. Oh, oh, my God. Okay. I said it to myself, and you asked. Well, I wanted to hear what you said. No, you didn't. turns. Oh, I only
0: knew that in retrospect. <laughs> so um, this is the kind of game that I can get good at, and I, I am. I mean, I've played through, uh, according to the save, the percentage in, the save, in my save game, I'm, I'm just about halfway through the game, um, I'm in the middle of the second aisle, I guess. and uh, it is I mean, it is so difficult. It's one of those games where you go, I at least have the experience of going into a boss battle and dying a few times and thinking, i'm ne- this is impossible. I'm never gonna do this. And then, you know, twenty tries later i've I've aced it. you know, but every time that happens, it gets i'm a little bit it it's a little bit harder to believe that I'm ever gonna finish it. Mm-hmm. And it is a shame because, you know, most games that are like this, I'm just going to stick with it because I love the mechanics and I just actually want to keep doing it. I, I like the mechanics in this game, but they're not transcendent. You know, they're not revelatory. It's not like playing Super Meat Boy where I'm like, ah, everything about this is so amazingly, perfectly tuned that I'm pushing through it for its own sake. You know, I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm pushing through it because it is so expertly crafted in every element of the kind of gameplay experience.
1: in that game you you want to get to the next level because it's the next sort of satisfying take on their own mechanics. Exactly.
0: This game is fun and I think the mechanics are very good and they're tight and that's what's important in a game like this. But the real honestly, at the end of the day, the real reason I'm pushing through it um, and I wouldn't if it were not fun but the real actual motivating factor genuinely is because I want to see the next phase of the next boss because they're so beautiful and cool and amazingly rendered uh that 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 is a huge force on that is like drawing me through the game and i'm i'm kind of concerned that i'm going to get to a certain point where i just can't keep going and i'm certain that if that's true for for me i mean there's obviously you know, a lot of people who are better at these games than i am but there's realistically there are a lot of people who are not going to be able to get as far as i did in this game who are who would be super interested in the visual design i think that's Kind of a bummer. I bet this um, is a
1: good game for kids for this reason, though. I bet that bo- because I bet they that, will
0: just bash on it forever. Yeah, I bet yeah. that
1: Cuphead actually has that same like we've talked about sort of the draw of like the Mega Man series when you're a little kid, and it's just yeah. Cuphead is a game that you are encouraged to master in like the old like like Nintendo platformer sense, or I guess yeah, or bullet hell shoot 'em up mm-hmm. sense, but it's also really rewarding, like maximally is, yeah. rewarding, is, the same is, way yeah. that like playing a mega man or playing yeah. uh, a, a shmup you like you get you get to see the new art and the new stage and you, but in this it's out of control i guess yeah.
0: and i gather from sort of general sort of um s- peripheral vision of social media that there's been some kind of i guess just as is the case with almost everything that people have opinions about now there's been some kind of like cultural culture war extension into like arguments about difficulty of Cuphead, I don't really have any idea what the substance of those arguments are, are about, so if I've said anything that is like offensive to someone on any level because of their position on how Cuphead's difficulty somehow relates to like anything that actually like is part of the world, I, I'm sorry, but I uh, my opinions of it are just what I said, I guess. Um, I do think it's a fantastic game, and I'm so happy that something this beautiful Uh, exists in this way because it's a kind of beauty that is rare because it's incredibly labor-intensive to make something like this. I mean, you can just tell how carefully this all is hand-animated. And the other amazing thing about it is how seamless it all is. I mean, one of the things I would expect playing a game that is all sprite-animated, you know, largely sprite-animated like this, is that at least sometimes you'll see the seams between the animations or there's a frame delay or something. I just have not seen anything that makes it look anything other than completely seamless and it's absolutely incredible
1: I think it's interesting that Cuphead has this aesthetic uh, as a video game when I don't think that a project of this scale would actually be able to exist anymore as an animated film or an animated short it's something that is that is honestly been true about video games for a long time but especially basically since sort of Xbox 360 ish era not because of any specific thing that Microsoft or Sony or anyone else did but I feel like games ability to lay down an aesthetic that is completely outside of normal popular entertainment but combine it with a really traditional set of mechanics really does allow artists in the gaming like sphere to do outrageous cool visual stuff that you just don't get to do if your work is primarily primarily narrative yeah uh, like this would get shunted away as like an art thing, Right. Uh, except that instead it, uh, since it's a yeah, basically a a bullet hell platform, yeah. it can it can look like this. It's like, it's it's. I feel like there's a, a billion things to unpack inside of that that are both good and bad, but it's it's interesting at mm-hmm. least. Absolutely, um, yeah. like the sort of crass. Well, the only reason that people are playing it is because you're shooting a billion guys. Right. Whereas <laughs> in the feature film version yeah. of this, it would not be literally someone going. Yeah. like over and, over and over but whatever that's not the actual experience that your brain has when playing Cuphead even though that is what the mechanics are. Right.
0: It well on that note though there I did have one thought playing this game which is man it's kind of silly that i have to hold down the shoot button forever <laughs> cuz i'm there's there are times when i don't Oh i mean, expected
1: are, it to be twin stick. Interesting. No it's not. You fire I guess you have to jump and stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well i mean it kind of i mean it is twin stick in that Well no it's not. It's not twin <sighs> stick. You only use the left stick. Yeah. Um yeah, but uh I mean you've played it at least but I guess it's like, not minutes. enough to yeah yeah. yeah. But um, it 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 does have I mean it is weird that my thumb is just pressing a button for essentially 90% of the time I'm playing game. I mean there are times where for very specific reasons in a specific level you don't always want to be shooting every second right. but like that is very rare. That is not I mean typically there's no there's no reason not to simply be firing all the time. Um, and that does feel kind of numbing to me a little bit, but whatever. That's yeah. like the most tiny criticism. It doesn't really matter. can't believe you don't like Cuphead. <laughs> I love Cuphead. I think it's great. I considered streaming it, but I wasn't really sure what the point of that was relative to something like Heat Signature, which, you know, the point of Heat Signature is that you're going to have weird, unique, surprising It would probably just be to watch you go,
1: oh, wow, whenever anything cool happened. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's probably true. <laughs> Hello there. It is Chris here from the future. Or I guess more accurately, the present, a present in which I have reached the very final boss of Cuphead, uh, which I have not actually had the nerve to uh, to even attempt yet. It's been several days since I reached the final boss. And I uh, (laughs) when you this is a minor spoiler, I suppose. But when you reach the final boss, you you get a choice that turns out to be a choice as to whether you even want to fight the final boss or not. And out of curiosity, I said, I basically said the one that meant no. And uh, so the, the game just ended, so I didn't, I didn't fight the final boss. So now I have to I have to to go back into the game, and ho- hopefully it will let me actually fight it. But anyway, the reason I'm, I'm dropping back into the pod here is because um, I've played about twice as much Cuphead as I had when we recorded this podcast, because I, j- I just, you know, played through all the rest of it right up until the, the last one, the last fight. And despite that, my feelings haven't changed that much. I still think it's unbelievably beautiful. And I would say that they've maintained the level of visual inventiveness and quality throughout, which is something I was worried about. And then more impressively, I think the because the game is so overwhelmingly tilted towards boss battles, I mean, almost all of the levels are boss battles. or a few, you know, there are some optional exceptions, but Um, because of that, it feels like they really actually did try and think of pretty creative concepts for those battles, especially as the game goes on. To the point that there were actually a couple cases when I legitimately couldn't even figure out what I was supposed to do to beat the boss because it was so outside of the norm of just standard shoot it until it dies. Um, there weren't a lot of those, but there were a couple, uh... And those were frustrating at times for probably reasons that are they're not supposed to be frustrating. Uh, but in kind of classic fashion, once I actually figured out what I was supposed to be doing, they got uh, really fun and challenging in a good way. So all in all, my my appraisal of Cuphead remains extremely positive, And I'm looking forward to uh, diving into the final boss battle to see what that is and if I will ever uh, complete it. But I definitely got... Better at it, the second half of the game I think i I certainly played through faster than the first half simply because I was so much more accustomed to all of the game's systems um so that's that's that that's my uh that's my take on cuphead. Maybe next episode I'll have one final uh post completion update, but that's it for now uh and with that, enjoy Nick Brecken talking about. Battlestar Galactica Deadlock. You have been playing something that I have not even heard of. Mm,
3: The only reason I know of this game, which is Battlestar Galactica Deadlock... Yeah, I do not uh, know what that is. ...is uh, Rob Zachney. Um, Oh. I saw him tweet about this game. Oh, cool. And I became aware of it and played it. Um, It's... um, So it's a strategy. It's a strategy game, and it's... uh, based on the Battlestar Galactica, the show, the yeah, modern the show. Like the, yeah, the, the Ronald Moore show. Um, and uh, it's weird. It's it's weird to play a game like this that's licensed from a property that has not really continued in 10 years. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, I it's say, really yeah. odd to, to play a game that is as faithful to that show so as it is. I think it's like is. out of the zeitgeist. Yeah, yeah. that's completely yeah. out of the zeitgeist. Like this feels like a game that if it had come out when that – just, you know, series was still on or even a couple of years after that it would have just been, you know, in the sort of Twitterverse, just people losing their minds that it exists because it's basically it does what you would want to do with that property, which is you have your, you know, it's a naval sort of top-down uh, strategy game and they yeah. just execute it perfectly in terms of what you would expect from watching that show's you know, visual effects sequences. It just looks like the show. It sounds like the show. The music sounds like the show. That show. I mean, that show and also
1: has sort of the big board of ships and fleets mm-hmm. moving around as a component of the show.
3: Yeah, and the show sort of went to great lengths to. I don't know. Draw from sort of actual military and naval concepts and kind of make mm-hmm. them more sci-fi. And but but it still felt like oh these are big lumbering ships and you know yeah. smaller fighters and everything. Kind of feels like oh this is this is this has you know this is analogous to actual military so con- what concepts. Is,
1: what is the flow of this game? The
3: flow of this game is really interesting. It's why it's notable. It feels so like I talked about a long time ago. I talked about Star Wars Armada, which is a board game. Well, not a board game. It's a tabletop game. It's
1: like a miniatures game. right? It's a
3: miniatures mm-hmm. game where you have have yeah like miniatures of star wars you know crafts and and you kind of push them around on the table and that game is a turn-based game where you know this ship moves so far in any given turn and you can kind of shift things around basically this game is a it's the same thing um and actually so the reason i brought up that armada is that while i was talking about it you know you play this game with with you know two people and while you're waiting for the one person to kind of shift their ships around it gets kind of boring because it just takes a long time to do all the calculations and figure so you out you like play
0: with two people you mean one on one yeah it's a
3: one on one it's that game is a one on one thing and you know you it's a lot of time just kind of all right I'm I, I'm attacking this ship with this ship and it does four damage and this does three damage let's roll some dice and find I mean it just takes forever to get one turnover. Um, and I think I said on the podcast, like I wish there was a computer version of this game because yeah. you would essentially be doing the exact same thing, but uh, it would just do all the calculations for you instantly. And sometimes you want, you know, to roll dice and be sure. a dork, but like sometimes you just kind of want to get
0: through it. And this game basically but that stuff is good when it's like high stakes on yes. specific
1: yeah. encounters. There's as a lot of tension, like, and like yeah. I just have to get through like plenty right. but like a, of like these a attacks. A lot of early game kind of yeah, you know, yeah. Just get your stuff positioned. This game's
3: yeah. interesting. I mean, you you, it's it's the same. Conceit, and then you have two—you know—it's the Cylons and the—you know—humans, and uh, you know you're playing as as the the humans, and um, it has a sort of overworld strategic uh, board where it's it's there are sort of node based uh, representations of planets that you kind of have to position your fleets on, and then when one of them, it's kind of kind of like total war or something where you have. You know fleets that you're sort of uh, uh, building up using resources, and then you move them around, and then when they hit, when they come in contact with an enemy fleet, then it triggers a battle, and you go into the battle mode. But within the battle mode, it's basically Star Wars Armada, like it's the same kind of tabletop experience, except it's in you know 3D space. And um, as you're playing, you is
1: it presentationally like a abstracted military thing, or is it like no. the cutscenes of the like, or is it like the the show with it's it's like Homeworld or something okay. where you can zoom around and and, okay. and zoom in
3: as far as you want to using the mouse wheel. But what happens is so so you know it's turn based and uh, at the start of a turn you see kind of like shaded like uh, transparent versions of your ships that you can click on and drag around the map as far as they could potentially move in a given turn. And then, um, you know, each ship has various things that it can do. Like I can launch fighters on this turn or I can fire missiles on this turn or I can, you know, increase or decrease my shields or whatever. Um, And then you hit the end turn button and for like six or seven seconds, that turn sort of plays out in real time and then it stops again and you make more decisions. So it's it's basically simulating that like turn-based thing, but then when you hit the button, it just plays out like – a Battlestar Galactica, like a clip from the show, like an eight minutes or eight second like VFX sequence of just like ships blowing each you know, yeah. blowing each other up and everything, and then it just stops again, and then you get to make more decisions. But what's cool about that is that you can actually like, you know, there are moments where the enemy ships just like fire like 30 missiles and you can see them coming at you, but then they just stop, you know, halfway on the way to your fleet, and then you have all of these decisions you need to make. Like, do I uh, like, turn on my flat cannons, and, like, I there's a consequence to that because I have fighters around me, and that will hurt my fighters as well. And, like, I have, sh- you know, shields on the left side of my ship that are really strong, so maybe I should turn my ships to sort of bear the brunt of this attack. Or, you know, you have all of these kind of, like, interesting choices that you have to make on a turn-by-turn basis, but the way that that real-time stuff plays out, it's not always – it's, it's – they chose a right amount of time for it to, you know, like, like that's that, cool. Just the, just enough time to kind of, you know, see an interesting like volley of, of, of gunfire. And then you go, Oh shit. Um uh, this means I like this ship turned left and I thought it was going to turn right. And now I've got mm-hmm. to fucking completely rethink what I was just doing. It's just, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, um, it's not a perfect game. It doesn't do a lot of things that I would want it to do. And the UI is kind of not great sometimes, um, who made this did you say uh black lab do you Studios? know what they've done otherwise um they made i think another game that was similar to this and then did a licensing deal and, and made this game um okay star hammer the vanguard prophecy is what they made i was not aware of, of that game at all but um yeah it's uh black lab games i all guess right. um yeah i mean you know it's not a, it's not a perfect game it's not a huge game in scope um you know there is this like i said there's this overworld component where you're building ships and composing fleets but i think there are like altogether maybe 8 or 9 ship types i mean it's actually fairly limited in what it's actually doing um so it's not a game that you're going to spend 50 hours on probably but what it does it does pretty well and it's i it's it definitely does what you want with a licensed game which is it puts you in the role of what that person would be on the show and then it makes you feel like th- the actual thing is playing out and it's also just A series of really interesting choices that you have to make in the middle of a of a real time battle. Like probably, you know, playing playing this game makes me realize how stale a game like Total War is for me now at this point. Hmm. Like playing out real time battles in those games because those games have kind of gone from being you know like slower experiences to now so much more like arcadey like all about just throwing a billion, 10,000 guys on on screen at each other, and the choices that you make in the middle of one of those battles are fairly limited, and just more about, like, it's more about the sort of grandeur and, like, spectacle of, like, representing, like, a massive battle. But this game... Uh, That's actually
0: something that's always been, even in older Told of war games, I always had a hard time sort of getting to the point where I understand. Like, they always felt so big to me that I could Mm -hmm. never quite get a handle on them.
3: Yep. This game's scope lets you kind of drill down into really specific ideas about, like, what this you know just like actual like board game type strategy yeah. like you know and i I like that a lot about it but that's cool it's only 20 bucks i think so you know and it's, it's worth worth uh, checking out if any Battles of that's not, not appealing to you deadlock oh no okay. it's actually 40 bucks but anyway okay whatever <laughs> cool now don't buy it too Whoa. expensive rent too it. yeah rent it
1: rent it jesus
0: um when did that come out how long has it been out I don't
3: know know? know. it must have come out recently because uh, I saw Rob review it or something so I guess it's also on uh, coming soon to Xbox One and PS4 oh interesting I wonder how that'll translate yeah because it's you know there's a lot of fine grain movement in you know clicking on your ship positions and
0: things so that'll be interesting sure anyway Hmm. cool yep speaking of games I've never heard of before (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah
1: Jake uh, oh, one thing before we move off of Battlestar sure. Galactica yeah. Deadlock. If mm. you want to hear a long discussion about it, episode 406 of Three Moves Ahead on oh, nice. the Idle Thumbs Network is um, Rob Zagney, Rowan Kaiser, and Luke Plunkett from Kotaku talking about that game for what seems like the entirety of an episode. So oh, Nice. Um, there you go. Yep. Anyway, golf story?
0: Yeah, you mentioned this before we started recording, and I do not even know what it is.
1: Uh, I'm, yeah, Well, it's a game on the Nintendo Switch. I don't know what other platforms it's on or where else it's coming, and I should have known that before we talked about it, but I'm playing it on Switch. You love your Switch. I do. I really really do. I'll look it up. Um, Okay. I mean, before I talk too much about Golf Story, I have to talk about the Switch itself for half a second. Yeah. Because I think, Chris, you and I have both talked in the past about how – there was an era around when the Nintendo DS came out when I think both of us were sort of falling out of the habit of playing games regularly and then yeah. the DS was a like ridiculous shot on the arm mm-hmm. uh, I'm feeling that with the switch right now in a way that is pretty pretty intense like That's I awesome. I just pick that thing up and play games on it all the time in a way that i have not for for a while and like i yeah actually go into the stupid e-shop and look through like (laughs) oh what have i heard people talking about on the internet that sounds interesting and buy it so that's what i did uh with golf story i'm only it looks like it's only on nintendo switch by the way okay um it's a switch game i it seems like the sort of thing that will appear in other places like it doesn't use any of the special hardware from the switch yeah but um Golf Story is a top-down sprite-based sort of 16-bit era looking golf RPG.
0: That's what I would have guessed so, from the based name. Based only on the name, that's what I would have it basically is, it, guessed. It yeah. is
1: that. I mean, it's um, you play as someone, you play as sort of a young adult who as in their youth played golf with their dad and thought maybe you would become a golf champion and then mm your life goes a different route. So you (laughs) weirdly leave your family behind to go back to this golf course uh, (laughs) as a young adult. And it's a golf course full of wacky RPG characters, Mm. but it has a really refreshingly simple and like it has basically the most bare bones golf mechanic of all time, which is like, like a power power meter. It has, yeah, it has basically like the distance of your arc uh, like, you know, how far you're intending to shoot, what angle you're intending to shoot, and then, yeah, just a uh, power meter for power, and then when it comes back around, it's uh, how angle. How do you have
0: both distance of shot and
1: also power meter? It's like... Oh, it's, yeah, you, it's, it's their maximum. It's, the, it's, the, it's, the,
3: it's determining the You're max determining the, your overall, yeah. like,
1: the scope of the swing at all. Like oh. uh, You can just sort of ratchet it down to be, like, yeah, a shorter like one, Mario but you Golf. can... Okay. It's still, like... There's a little bit of just sort of a feel thing that you can, like, if you... Yeah if you max out the power meter it's not going to perfectly hit that's uh, right. there's just sort of a, a curve so that, you end that's up probably feeling to out.
0: like I guess soften the sort of difficulty curve relative to a game that is only about yes golf yeah like you, in yeah. The,
1: in this game it for each shot your character picks the most appropriate club and then you sort of have a band of range that you can hit with that club for that shot and then yeah it's the it's the sort of old pc links style yes how far how like the the bar fills up one direction which is how far are you going to hit it and then when it comes back the other way there's a little sort of sweet spot at the end which is do you hook or slice or Mm. have a straight shot um it feels a lot like Mario Golf on the NES. Yeah. Um, it, it's. I mean, have you played this? Nick? No. Just your, by your description, oh, okay. I was yeah, just yeah, thinking yeah, yeah. Mario it's, Golf. It, it, yeah. Um, but the the aesthetic is closer to like Pokemon or it's sure. like an old JRPG. Um, the like the writing in it is not. It, it's fine. It's it's sort of just inoffensive and goofy, and it's not really my thing. But after playing a ton of West of Loathing. Um, mm playing this right now is, is kind of still hitting that same like a similar sweet spot for me that uh, that I didn't expect that is a thing that I want like I've never sort of
2: like
0: good natured
2: yeah like, it's just
1: it's just a good natured happy place that is a combination of a lot of sort of weird characters and sort of small mini games or weird challenges all centered around some basic mechanic which I know is People will say, "Well, you're an idiot." That's just what an RPG is, but that's not really what a traditional sort of JRPG style RPG actually is. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never really liked um, sort of Square style traditional RPG combat, or like Square or or Dragon Warrior. Like, I f- actually hate it, and it's basically turned me off from the entire RPG genre. So, playing this game has been really fun, yeah, even just in I- the, even the first forty minutes to be able to sort of. Experience this like combination of little story bits and little mini games and weird quests, but it's all centered well, my, around the
0: Mario RPG and Mario and Luigi games are also kind of.
1: They still have that like I mean, West of Loathing has that traditional yeah, turn-based. It's just one. so simple that it's yeah, it, Mario RPG is, is simple and it's it. got the it's got a timing element yeah. that's fun and this is I guess because it's just your golf swing. It, yeah, the, that, sure. It's even
0: farther from yeah. That but but it still yeah.
1: has that. It's it's just a simple enough little meaty hook that you can get better at uh, of, of playing golf. But then there's like, you know, a guy who is just like, I'm. I'm only playing the beginning, beginning, beginning things. But there's just like someone who's like, I bet you can't hit that stupid post over there. And then it's like, <laughs> whoop, golf swing, yeah, or like yeah. some guy who is. Um, Betting me that he he's got a game idea that only rich kids will play, and it's literally just put a bunch of golf balls in the lake, and it's like fine, great. <laughs> these are all stupid, stupid yeah. little introductory things. I know that the game also gets ridiculous, uh, and like I don't think the story is a like save the world type story, which is what you would expect one of these to turn into. But I'm sure based on just the key art that there's like a cemetery and skeletons and stuff. Sure, that I'm sure I'm going like, to there's going to be some haunted ghost golf at some right. point, but just. Um, the thing yeah the thing that it reminds me of is mostly West of Loathing where it is mm. just this is a very low key yeah. charming experience that's about engaging with a bunch of characters and sort of the, the breadth of a world through the lens of a couple of very simple mechanics that then also you're filling up leveling up bars and getting a bunch of other weird shit but like it's just a charming nice nice experience <laughs> yeah that sounds um, cool yeah, yeah. No, I will be playing. And more you love of it. your Switch. I do love my Switch. I'm also going to buy that Mario Rabbids XCOM thing. <laughs> oh yeah. Weird. Uh, why not? Why not? Oh, why maybe not I need. won't though because the real Mario is coming out soon.
0: Oh yeah, man. You are you are excited about the new Mario? I'm excited
1: about that new Mario, but I'll talk Edge about Edge gave it a
0: perfect score. I saw on the <sighs> internet this morning.
1: I'm yeah, whatever. I'm excited about that new Mario.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wasn't saying that because I expect that to be bad. I I think it's probably going to be super good. I yeah i don't have a switch and i'm gonna want to
1: play that game did you see the sorry to talk about the mario rabbits game for half a second did we talk about the um the keynote when that game was announced no, i don't
0: think so i don't know anything about this game other than that there is
1: one there's a mario of sort of rabbits crossover game that seems like it's a turn-based tactics yeah. thing <laughs> it's that's such very, a strange it's, combination of things yeah. yeah i don't know um it was introduced i think at e3 this year It was introduced in a Nintendo Directive. If Mario doesn't
0: say threat neutralized in this, then someone's really fucked (laughs) up. Oh, my
1: God. Well, the person who... In Mario (laughs) XCOM, like, give me a break. (laughs) God, that's true. That is the one time that he would say threat neutralized. Yeah. But he probably doesn't. He probably doesn't. He probably says pizza tonight, just to, like, (laughs) really just, just... Just twist the knife. Just twist the knife. But, um people were bagging on this game understandably because it's Mario X Rabbids it's it's, it's if, if 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 disney was like mickey's hanging out with the minions is literally it Mario
0: X Rabbids or no, is but it Mario X Commandos but you
1: know what i mean though sorry yeah, that I know. mario plus rabbits yeah, thing I know it is mean. literally the gaming equivalent of mickey mouse in a minions movie Right. as far as yeah. just like yeah 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 you know timeless yes. our timeless icon versus, versus just like yeah. <laughs> trash tripping over itself <laughs> um and you know people were understandably just harsh to this game yeah and i saw a tweet from someone that's that basically said i can't, I can't remember what the what the tweet of it said but it just it, it, it was just a still of the creative director of this Rabbit's mario game yeah like a, a, a like from the crowd shot of the keynote just like in tears of happiness that he had made a mario game that miyamoto on stage at an event oh, said was good oh i saw that yeah. and it was yeah. just like whatever shit you're talking about this game Look at this guy and like just eat yeah. shit and like <laughs> you know I mean it,
0: and you I, go from talking shit to eating it yeah fuck Take that shit fuck. that came out of your mouth like, and put it right back in there and digest it
1: it was it it made like my desire to play that game go up tremendously whether or not I end up actually liking it or not sure. just knowing yeah. that the person who made it like whether or not it was their passion to make a Mario versus Rabbids game or whether or not it was that it's just their job and they were given that assignment and they made the absolute best thing they could out of it, I don't care. Like, I clearly cares a lot about that game. Yeah. And, like, it will now be hard when I play that game to not play it through the lens of that guy uh, who is <laughs> right. so excited and proud of it that that he, like, was crying at his own launch event. Yeah. Ah, I don't know. I know that it's, it's like that's basically like the opposite of any sort of death of the artist reading of a work but well uh, i think
0: there are two i mean i think you can take that multiple ways right i mean i don't i don't actually think that that should be taken to ac- into account when determining the sort of whether the game is ultimately like a creative success well, at yeah. the end of the day like i don't that sort of seems unfair to because right. unless you're going to treat literally everything that way which seems difficult right? After, but like but by the same token it also means like in criticism, like just criticize what deserves to be criticized instead of yes, like getting personal and saying that developers deserve to die or something, which is something that I shouldn't have to say, but like it happens all right. the time. Yes, like, you're, you're know, right, so and that
1: is the axis on which that was really potent: is that people were just like, "Who would do this? You're all idiots. it's just yeah. throw away garbage. This is clearly just someone cashing a check." And it's like yeah. it's obviously not the amount yeah. of work that you have to put in to anything like this is immense. Yeah, and you have to care about it if it's if it's otherwise, it is just going to be trash. But yeah. It's whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yep. Maybe it's a bad game, but.
0: I mean, who knows? I don't know. Who, who knows? I really have, I don't actually know nothing about it, but No, I,
1: what you said was the thing that needs to be said.
0: Um, I do, it does <laughs> all, I mean, you talking about, I mean, Mario, I mean, at the end of the day, the Mar- the next Mario game is the thing that actually makes me wish I had a switch um, because I'm sure it's going to be very, very good. I, 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 it's just hard for me to imagine that it won't be, which is, I don't know,
1: maybe a silly thing to say or think. Yeah, we, but. we could talk about it next month, but just watching the sort of core Nintendo Mario team, increasingly, it, it it's felt to me like from Mario Galaxy to Mario 3D World to Mario Odyssey, it feels like it's been those guys trying to sort of get closer and closer or sort of try from different angles figuring out what what actually... Is a, I don't know how to say this. Not like what is a Mario game exactly, but how do you contextualize the entire history of Mario games and try to distill out of it what yeah. the experience is that a core Mario game is in a world where Mario is in every game. Like Mario is in every genre. Mario does yes. everything. So when you say Super Mario X, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, coming soon, um, <laughs> you know, just yeah. what the hell does that mean? It's and pronounced it's, 10. <laughs> Super Mario Run X. <laughs> um, just... Watching them try to figure out, like, Mario was a 2D character and now he's a 3D character. But like, that's the simplest, stupidest one. But, like, even just the way that Galaxy tries tried to figure out the, like, 3D Mario 64 stuff, plus it has the 2D stuff built into it. But, like, how the camera works, I, God, I don't, it's, it's very abstract and hard to talk about, I guess. But yeah, I'm excited to look at Mario Odyssey because on its face it looks like the fucking most outrageous sort of throw everything against the wall version of Mario but at the same time I suspect from just the more that has been shown out of it that there is some really secret secretly very tight core to that game that all the other stuff is sort of ancillary to or just sort of window dressing on and I'm excited to find what that actually is yeah or it's just a hot mess but even if it is it'll be a hot mess it'll be an interesting one for
0: sure yeah Um, cool should we take a break
1: yeah Mm -hmm. all right Mario plus Rabbids is very XCOM, like very, very XCOM. It's all about cover and flanking shots, says your name here in chat. That is crazy to me to think about. That is very how, strange. How XCOM y it is. Like, unexpected combinations include Mario plus Rabbids in an XCOM based tactics game. Say that again. It just its an unexpected combination oh, yeah, no, of it's three very things. Strange. Yeah, it's very weird.
0: This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Squarespace. Cool. Yeah. Squarespace is the fastest, the easiest, the most professional, user friendly, and customer supported way to make your own website, portfolio, blog, or online store.
1: By the most customer supported, do you mean that do you mean that like customers support and appreciate them or that they have good customer support or both?
0: Oh that's a good question. I, I think I mean both. I okay. think I mean that customers support them because once you try Squarespace, which is free to try, set up your whole website before you're ready to, to commit to uh, checking out, uh, you will support it because it's so easy. And also they have 24-7 customer support. So the customers support it and the customers are supported.
1: I asked, I wanted to know.
0: You asked and you wanted to know. Uh, I do. You can, you can prove this out by going to squarespace.com and like I say, you can get started and make your whole website without putting in a credit card, or you know, checking out or doing any of that, you can just make the website, and it's all the tools are available. And only when you realize, ah, this is the website that I want. This is the professional website that, that I've, I want. I have made. Yeah. Then uh, you can use the offer code thumbs at checkout, and you will get ten percent off of your uh, website or domain, your website and your domain. If it's a one-stop place. For online. Uh, One-stop place for online. Squarespace.com with the offer code THUMBS. This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Movement. Ah. Yeah. Movement <laughs> manufactures and sells affordable, stylish watches that can be found at MVMT.com slash thumbs, where you will also get... 15% off with free shipping and free returns. Wow, that's really nice. You could get the exact watch Jake is wearing on his wrist right now oh, that's and true. then bump into him in a mall or theater oh. or something and say, "Ah, I can't help but notice." Okay. We have the same understated but elegant
1: I see your a, m- a movement classic white black tan design person hopefully one of our two watches contains the microfiche and the other one contains <laughs> like dirty laundry and then we accidentally what they the both they, then about? they both we run we run into each other with the same watch then they both uh-huh. drop onto the floor oh, and, and then we swap up. them oh, oh, and then me oh, oh. or the other person like it's right. embroiled <laughs> in a wacky spy farce right yes. yeah like yeah, for yeah, sure yeah,
0: yeah. hopefully the other person's the real secret agent and so I'm like, the you goober up in the
1: fun yeah you, and, end, you definitely and then they just get where I'm like the where's the other guy Then that person's life is just like the cutaway of them going oh the laundry and then like then they have to like get berated by their boss but then it's then it's cuts back to my story I don't know why there's laundry in a watch but that's yeah, usually that what seems happens Chris. Yeah. or like my business documents for like my boring job it's a for nice both watch both microfiche just one of them is microfiche of important
0: <laughs> government documents or sensitive materials and the other is microfiche of your boring
1: office, <laughs> boring office documents there. in this case they would uh, mine would just be a nice watch that no, you m- can
0: get for 15% off by going to MVMT.com. You've been wearing this watch for like six months now or something like that. I have. I like it. Yeah. It's very nice, clean. Uh, they have a range of styles. You have, you have one of the, I would say, more classic timeless minimal yeah i wanted styles. a simple
2: one
1: that looked nice that people wouldn't be like what's that watch because right. then i'd have to talk to them about my watch
0: <laughs> instead they can just in their mind say Ooh, oh nice watch that watch yeah, get 15 off your own nice elegant understated or overstated i guess if that's what you want watch by going to mvmt.com slash thumbs for 15 off and free shipping and free returns Woo.
1: There's a statue of a rabbit on a toilet with an inscription like, This rabbit is making logs. And then the narrator bot character says, I wonder what that means. Well, Mario looks on quizzically. Jesus. And then you get into a very uh, positional based, hardcore tactics uh, shooter. Mm hmm. As you do. When I think of video games as a holistic experience, I think maybe it's been best distilled down <laughs> by Mario <laughs> versus, or plus, or ex Rabbids. Well, it's funny you should say that, Jake. Uh,
0: because we're back? Because we're back. And because Kane writes... <laughs> I was talking to someone recently, and they revealed they knew absolutely nothing about video games. They'd played Pong and had a vague sort of idea that Mario was a game that involved jumping, but that was it. They were, to all all appearances, willing to learn about the medium, but I found myself having trouble working out how to explain it to someone with that level of video game illiteracy. Whatever you tell them, and you don't have unlimited time, that's going to be everything they know about games. That's a big responsibility. If you tell them about Spelunky and Thomas Was Alone, which are both great, they're going to think the medium is just sophisticated platformers. So you want to tell them a little bit about a little bit of everything. But how do you make that into a conversation that concludes before the last proton in the universe evaporates? Anyway, after that, I started thinking about what games you would give to someone engaged and willing to learn, but with no prior knowledge of the medium, to introduce them and get them started. Given your illustrious careers in video games, I figured you'd be the perfect folks to ask, what's the assigned playing section on your video games 101 curriculum? What five games, games
1: you? define you? <laughs> First, yeah. the way to make that an interesting conversation is talk to an interesting person who is going to ask you good questions in return. If that, yeah, that's person, true. If that person literally just doesn't ask you any questions and you just have to explain... That's not an interesting conversation regardless of anything. Yeah. That also probably means you're, you're over. You're over <laughs> <laughs> that probably means you're
0: overstaying your welcome in that conversation yeah. as well. Like if they're not asking you about it, they probably don't give a shit. Just give them the yeah, give them also just, give them this just podcast. Give them podcast. Just be podcast. like, listen just, to this. yeah. Listen to all one hundred and thirty three episodes yeah. of this trash. One hundred and thirty three? Three hundred and thirteen? Oh my god, three hundred and thirteen. <laughs> I used the right digits. <laughs>
1: This is like the Anno uh, games of Idle Thumbs podcast. My God,
0: 313?
1: Yeah. Good Lord. Idle mean, Thumbs I... gets good around season three, so just <laughs> just plow through. Gets yeah. good around, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Five games? Good God. He didn't say five games. He oh, didn't I say five games. games. <laughs> that was Nick's okay. joke. Um.
0: Games. That's <sighs> so hard. It is really difficult. I, I don't actually know that, that's possible to it, answer. I mean, what is the any, specific thing? We're the, the specific question is what would be the curriculum of like the assigned games on your video games one one course? I mean,
1: it's that's so tough because also who's the audience? Are you trying to show yeah, someone? exactly. Are you trying to show someone? Any
0: curriculum has a message because
1: you can you can also you can have sort of this is these are the things that are uh, yeah. most emblematic of what is intriguing and sort of aspirational and inspiring and interesting to me about games or this is what I think can explain the actual entire cultural context of games and sort of their spill off effects into society and those mm. are very different
0: or like this is how the mechanics of video games have evolved yeah. over time like it it really depends on what you care about in video games and what you are or, or like what these are not you care about mm. well yeah i mean that's you, yeah, you could get oh, into that sorry. as well. You could. Um, uh, yeah. I, oh man, it's just, but a general notion of like video games one hundred and one—that's really tough. I mean, because even in you know, I for ex- for instance, I, I mean, Jake, I know you went to school for film. Nick, you were what an English major. Mm-hmm. I was a music major. So all three of us, um, I think it's it's relevant that we all went to school for for something that is like a creative art mm-hmm. of some of some kind. And certainly when I was in my you know, first year of, uh, the music major, you know, we have classes like introduction to music appreciation, but like that's, you still have to, there still have to be limits there. It's like even sort of Western art music is absolutely enormous, like massive body of work that spans centuries and many countries and cultures. And, and that's still only one like small, you know, choice in like mm-hmm. because you know i took other classes on like the history of caribbean music and i took a semester on chinese music and like any one of those <laughs> is just a tiny tiny like peek into those whole cultures of of music and the idea of saying like music 101 i mean admittedly music is a lot older than video games so it's not a, an entirely fair comparison but it's, but a, it's
1: also that's irrelevant I mean, even it's, if, even it's, it's, electronic entertainment's been around for half a century at this point, and that's more than enough.
0: It is more than enough. I mean, it is, a diff- it is definitely a different scale. And it also was introduced into sure, a but...
1: global world that can see all cultures' contributions to that medium instantly. So, like, yeah. the the, yeah. the breadth of, of available conversational yeah. subjects is obviously smaller, but it's still way more than a 101 class. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: definitely. I, I would definitely still say that the, the, the sheer like volume and pervasiveness of music throughout the history of human society yeah, of it does course. put it on a different scale. But yes, yeah. it is even just the history of video games, which is fairly but young relative to many yeah, I just forms of art is huge. relative
1: to the bounds of one hypothetical class. Yes. It's the, basically yeah, still definitely. orders of magnitude yeah. bigger.
0: I think you still need a more specific angle on that class to know yeah. like what your boundaries are.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that if I had to come up with an intro to video games curriculum that was in like the same way that like film 20A or whatever it was it was at UC Santa Cruz, which was basically like this is the intro class that all film majors have to take, but also a ton of other students will take it to fulfill like an introductory art selective. Right, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I would be less interested in the overall history of video games and more trying to convey to people what the breadth of the medium of video games is. Yeah. Like, I think that would be my goal is like, yeah. sure, we will talk about. A familiar shooter game and a familiar sports game that probably everyone has played, but we'll try to do an interesting breakdown to make you see those in a slightly different light than you have, whether or not it's talking about, like, how those games intersect culture or to, or go the other direction and talk about how they're made, and yeah. then also talk about things like Spelunky or talk about, like, sure. weird vector ar- uh, arcade games it's, and talk about it's probably, Portal or yeah. whatever, you know? Here,
0: here's here's a weird thing that none of, none of these other forms of art have to contend with, um which is does the person have to play those all and how much of them do they play? And like how do you, Mm. you like with a movie you can at least say this will take you an hour and a half, watch it, and even if you don't like it or understand it, you will have seen it and you at least have a baseline to discuss it. But, like, yeah. Yeah,
1: how the hell do you do I that? I mean, that's, with, a, that's a thing that a lot of schools like have, had have had to solve. a strategy game and a sports game and an adventure game I've, and
0: a platformer. Like, oh, my
1: God. I've what? wondered about that, and I'm sure there are people who teach games classes who have very obvious answers to this. But whenever I think about that, whenever I think about a games course, like – part of the thing that was a thing that was really cool about uh, being a film student and i'm sure this is way more outrageous if you're at a film school in los angeles or new york or some world city that has a yeah. film history is just i was screened the movies yeah. that yeah. i would not be able to see often on 35mm often as like an awesome, actual yeah. historic print i mean i'm sure if you're like at usc film school that's nuts yeah, but sure. even at, at santa cruz you know it was just like a professor who knows these things is going to have screenings in just huge theaters. So every week I was watching a ton of movies that I would yeah, have never duh. seen. And like, Game preservation doesn't allow for that well, easily, and also games aren't meant to be watched by 300 people in a theater. Yeah. I was
3: going to say, I don't think this could be a th- – I think the answer to this is there would have to be a 12-person class where well, I, I mean, the right. professor brings in a copy of blank. And I don't we, think yeah, it would have
1: to we, be a 12-person class. You could still do it in a lecture, but then your section with your TA is, uh, is a place where you play sure, the game. Whatever. Sure, whatever. Yeah, There's got to yeah, be yeah.
3: an hour I, again, where you sit I'm down. I'm sure this stuff is a solved
1: problem, but I'm sure it's a complicated – I mean, I'm sure there's not an optimal solution. Yeah, it's for probably this. not a solved problem. It's a problem, make- it's a problem people have come up with solutions yeah, for, but yeah. are probably dissatisfied with, yeah. is my guess. But yeah. I'm sure there are people listening to this right now who are either teachers or students in game programs who are like, you're idiots. Here's exactly yeah, what we're No, right in that. to questions at yeah. because um, I'd be curious to know. But yeah, how do you. There's like, sure, you can, you can just be a. Just admit to reality and give your students a copy of an arcade emulator oh. or an Atari twenty six hundred emulator, but like that's not possible for some eras and configurations of games that you would want to show. Like yeah. is your school gonna get a site license of portal? Do you have to buy it at the bookstore <laughs> really? if you have your like yeah. buy a Steam <laughs> gift code from the yeah. from the like student union? It's yeah, weird. <sighs> yeah. Um well, we're probably not gonna get any
0: farther with that. No. Uh, James writes Hi Thumbs I started listening to the Idle Thumbs podcast Around episode 160 And I've been catching up On old episodes To keep Idle Thumbs Fresh and fun I have my podcast playlist Alternating between Archived Idle Thumbs episodes And new episodes From other podcasts It works really well Well, I was recently listening to the latest episode of Designer Notes with Soren Johnson in which he interviews Steve Gaynor. It's a great listen. It's split up into two parts. It was directly followed by the Idle Thumbs podcast episode 60, Nasty Good Badass, which begins with Steve saying, I fell off of a dinosaur fence. I paused the podcast in confusion so that I might figure out whether or not Steve indeed said that. I rewound a few times before the podcast continued into Jake replying, and I promptly realized what actually had happened. Just a random story. Thanks for the laughs during my commute. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, and I read that in parts to, to plug Designer Notes with Soren Johnson, which is another podcast that we host on our uh, podcast network that features long-form conversations with video game developers, and it's really good. The most recent one, at least at the time we're recording this, the most recent one uh, is with Asher Vollmer. I think that's how you say mm-hmm. uh, that person's name, who is the designer of Threes and Puzzle Juice, and uh, it's a good listen. It's cool to hear someone talk about designing uh kind of uh, small scale mobile sort of puzzle like really elemental kind of puzzle game designs which are excellent i mean those are really well designed games
1: yeah we don't we only do idle thumbs once a month now but it's crazy how much actual really interesting game discussion still is on idlethumbs.net between uh three moves ahead designer notes and idle weekend yep there's hours and hours of this stuff every month mm-hmm. like it's true. Uh, okay, let's see. And Terminal Seven, if you like Netrunner. <laughs> That's no video
0: game. Shane writes, <laughs> "Hey thumbs, I would love to hear the thumbs take on the Mark Laidlaw episode three thing that happened a little while back." <laughs> Cheers. So this 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 is in reference to uh, Mark Laidlaw, who was the um, sort of the, he the, was the he was the, the sole writer, I believe, of Half Life, the original Half Life. And then, as over the course of the Half Life series, Half-Life became 2 sort of and the, the episode, the yeah. lead writer, as they hired additional writers, uh, of you know, basically of all the half all the Half Life games to date because they haven't made any since Half Life 2 episode 2. And he ten left 10 years ago, yeah, yeah, 10 years ago, yeah, he's not fucked more than 10 years ago now, slightly more, yeah, I guess and 10 years in a month. He, uh, Mark Laidlaw left, um, Valve, I think earlier this year, or was it last year? I don't even remember at this point, yeah, I don't know. He left Valve fairly recently to just sort of he's, you know, had a whole career in, in at Valve at this point. So he um, seemed to leave in good, good terms to just pursue mm-hmm. other projects. But uh, a month or two ago, he published without fanfare a sh- piece of short fiction on his own personal website that v- was a very clear. It was
1: called Epistle
0: 3. Yeah, it's called Epistle 3. And it was it was a very shallowly veiled um, piece of fiction that sort of continues the Half-Life story into a the premise of a theoretical Half-Life Two episode three um, that swapped all of the character names to sort of opposite gender versions of themselves and um, told just, just told a sort of, again, as I say, a hypothetical story of, of what the events of that game would have covered. And it was a really interesting, weird and unexpected read. Yeah. Um, Jake, as the sort of (laughs) Half-Life three connoisseur,
2: ah,
1: it was honestly a very cathartic experience for me to read that. Even though, you know, I mean, looking at that and knowing how any creative work, let alone a Triple A video game is made, it's very clear that what Mark Laidlaw put on his website would probably ultimately not have 100% bearing on what would have shipped. Like That's clearly his version of that game as remembered at a certain time in development with pr- presumably his favorite choices out of all of the possibility space they right. were considering, plus him sitting on it uh, for 10 years and then capitulating the version of it that I imagine has been sort of bubbling in the back of his brain for all that time. Um, so, you know, that's probably not what episode three would have or could have been. And because he decided to write it as a single piece of
0: fiction, yes, he didn't have to contend with what would the gameplay and level right. design be of all this stuff. Yeah,
1: but just as a person who loves the story of Half-Life and loves and loved the experience of being immersed inside of those games and always have, I've just had gnawing questions about it. Just having any version of it that comes out that is vaguely from, a, from any one of the people who had their hands that deep into Half-Life, yeah. just... Reading that was just it was a it was a nice experience. It was really it was it was fun, and it took like four minutes. And I went, well, I didn't know that I was ever going to get this or want it, but now that I did, I was, I was just happy to to you read it. You did get it, and you did want I it. I did, I did, I did, yeah. I did. Um, some of the things inside of it that were described were in insane and I had a lot of trouble envisioning how they would be a game and it
2: yeah, it was it, very metaphysical yeah, and, yeah
1: there were these just places where reality seemed to just like splinter in ways that I couldn't visualize and I couldn't tell how much of that was an abstract writerly wish and how much of that was Uh, a hint at some really ambitious sort of post-Portal Valve Mm -hmm. single-player world-rending madness. And also, I was like, this is the stuff that would probably make this game impossible to come out because, like, it it just even... (laughs) the 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 sort of abstract goals of, like, you know, the characters sort of get to the Borealis that was that big uh, destroyed ship that was alluded to both in Portal 1 and in Half-Life 2 Episode 2. It was basically alluded to across the orange box. And then when they get to it, it's supposed to have... I guess, Aperture Sciences technology in it or whatever. It was supposed to have portal-related things. But, yeah, the descriptions, once they get to that point in the story, are just like reality breaks. Uh, And it was fascinating, given that that's always sort of stuff that's scratching at the edges of the Half-Life universe, but I had no way of envisioning how... What I read on Mark Laidlaw's blog would be a video game. Yeah, but I didn't care because the images that it oh, put in it my head—it wasn't head, one and didn't have to yeah, be one. Just yeah, just like trying, even trying to read those words and filter them through my m- my brain's sort of perception of what Half Life is mm. was like delightful enough on its own that yeah. I that I you know I didn't feel like I needed the game to exist anymore. And I think that's probably why Laidlaw put that up on his blog was just yeah. like
0: you know who, I think he did it primarily as an exercise for himself but that might have been why it was public, why it I, mean, public. Yeah, I, th- I mean yeah I mean I
1: guess I meant for him it was probably the same reason just like I can put this out there yeah and then it's out there it mm-hmm. was um, you know who knows what the reaction is like from uh, other former Valve writers and yeah. artists yeah. none oh, of them yeah. none of them said anything publicly about it and yeah. like internally at Valve and who, I wouldn't have expected knows. them to given no. Val, how the way Valve it, works, was it uh, was clearly a very personal act by that guy um just published that
0: yeah yeah it's interesting because i you know he's someone who he worked at valve for 20 years more than 20 years i think he probably worked there at least from 95 or 96 uh i would i would it was probably about 20 years then yeah. yeah um and had in terms of simply the story component of half-life had a very high level of authorship over it i mean it's it's video game production at a studio, so it's collaborative.
1: Obviously, all parts of the, it are sort ultimately collaborative. The world collaborative, building and a lot of the tone of the actual narrative elements clearly he yeah, at least he, wrangled them. Yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, he. I mean, as far as you know, relative to any other individual human, he had a decent amount of authorship over that, those elements of the game. And you know, it's a strange thing, I and mean, it's one of the weird things about working on video games or uh, certain collaborative arts. I would, I would think, video games t- definitely are. Very, I, I, from my experience, readings are very much this way. You know, you work on something in which you feel some high level of authorship um, because of what you put into it. And then it's like, well, like the minute you leave this company, like it's not yours anymore, period. Like, and there's nothing you can ever do about that. And yeah. it's weird. I mean, it's, it's a weird, weird thing and it's probably a bit like making a Marvel movie at this point or something
2: Where kind of
1: it's more though like if you drew the Captain America comic and then went and made a movie and then left yeah yeah Yeah. because like Half-Life came from nothing it came from the minds of the collective of people who were there at the time when that studio was being started Yeah. yeah I know, cause yeah, you'd like working on a Walking Dead video game and creating a bunch of characters for that from nothing, and then they're in multiple sequels. But that's still not—I still imagine the feeling of yeah. making something from complete scratch yeah. would be an even more extreme version of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, what was like oh, all of this aside, uh, Valve, if you're listening, please make more Half Life games. Thanks, <laughs> signed uh, signed Half Life fan ninety seven. Yeah, comma Jake Rodgan <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what
0: named for the year Half-Life was supposed to come. Yeah, out and that's then
1: when I that's when I signed up for my that's <laughs> yeah. when I got my screen name on AIM. Yeah. May it rest in peace. Come January fifteenth. Oh, right. That's not yeah. my AIM screen name, by the way. My AIM screen name well, is it's Guy probably Brush someone's
0: T. AIM screen name though. <laughs> so message them while you can before AIM goes away forever. Yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, I'm definitely gonna log back onto AIM for that final forty eight hours. <laughs> it goes offline January fifteenth or yeah, December something. Like something yeah, something. It's coming up. Whatever. In the next couple. You months to
3: migrate to ICQ.
1: <laughs> IC- ICQ still around because IC- AOL bought ICQ, ICQ and then Q sold it a, to someone else. Isn't ICQ like
0: a isn't isn't it like a protocol that is more general purpose now or something? Uh, I don't no? th- uh, I not. don't think so. I, I think
1: that was that works. was ICQ had a way had a rollicking life because it did it, it was going to get integrated into AIM for a minute I think but then AOL sold it off uh, to yeah. some other company. Yeah. Um. Mark Laidlaw leaving Valve is getting confused constantly in my mind right now because Bioware writer Mike Laidlaw... I know. I I was going to mention that. Man, oh, man, do I want those two guys to start uh, something together. a law firm? Laidlaw Laidlaw and Laidlaw Video Game Story (laughs) Studio. At law. Yeah.
2: God, their name has law in
1: it. Yeah, Yeah, I know. They're a law firm for sure. Laidlaw and Laidlaw Attorneys at Law, comma, Video Game Creative Direction. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if, if if the Laidlaw's make a make a, do something together no relation He's very happy <laughs> that's yeah exactly. the that's, that's the, the best part. part no relation <laughs> yeah oh it's uh it's yeah interesting that the two guys those two guys have put made mm. huge impacts on sort of the narrative yeah, space inside of triple a gaming absolutely you know? yeah. and they are both i guess currently free agents i don't know yeah
0: yeah yeah, it is, uh, yeah that is a very interesting thing and if, and if your name named rare, rare among right like known name writers at Studi- like who worked for large studios, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. there aren't that many game writers whose names, I mean, th- they're not household names among people who just buy like three games a year. But if you pay attention to this stuff, those are people you may well have heard of. And that's not, there's not that many of those people. No. Which is, you know, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's see. Uh I can do one more question here, maybe. Um, Billy writes, I'm probably not Billy. the only one to have ri- written in about this. You are, Billy. Uh, But I think you, in a recent episode, you missed an important game where time moves on regardless of what you're doing. The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Oh, yeah, that's true. There's a relatively short period of time that in which there are a bunch of different interactions to manage with characters who are only around certain areas at certain times. I forget the specifics of what happens in the first set of days that gets you the Ocarina song. But once you have that, you are basically Bill Murray and Groundhog Day without the suicide. Thanks for all the podcasts, Billy. Thanks for all the pods, Billy. (laughs) I never played Majora's Mask because I didn't have an
1: N64.
3: It was always, yeah. I, I, always I bounced played. off
1: Majora's Mask and always it was, that's one of I those games too. that I'm like, I know this is good. I yeah. know this is good, but yeah. I can't get into it. And I I've, think I've meant to, to go back and play it like a thousand times and it's I've never played it. And I think I, that I just,
0: happened to a lot of people. And I mean, uh, not having played it myself, just being aware of the sort of conversation around games, it really feels like, you know, starting maybe a decade after that game came out, it entered a severe like, critical reappraisal, in yeah. which now it is regarded, I think, as really ahead of its time and interesting.
2: Yeah. It, it, yep.
1: I just... I I got into it and kept being like, I know how a Zelda game is supposed to work, and this doesn't work, and it was so hard for me to, like, yeah. get my head around the way the space is laid out and the way yeah. and the time works relative to... Because it's stupid, because that's such an early game, even in the history of Zelda games, but basically the line outside of Zelda 1 from... Or outside of Zelda 2, excuse me, from Zelda 1 to... Uh, Link to the Past on the Super Nintendo to even Link's Awakening on the Game Boy to Ocarina of Time, it's all kind of just, uh, those are just, you Zelda through them. Yeah. And then Majora's Mask was like, you turn into all sorts of weird creatures and the fucking moon smashes things. I was like, ah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah one day, one yeah. day I'll actually. Classic, classic
0: second Zelda game on a platform. Yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. <sighs> I need to play it.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that wraps it up for this episode of idle thumbs. If you would like to uh, ask us about some video game thing or, or send in something you want to uh, say about a video game or respond to anything we've said on this episode or any other, you can do that by sending email to questions at idle dot net. Uh, We like getting your reader mail and it gives us lots to talk about. Um, I don't know. It was good. We got get good. I thought we got good email this week. I liked it. Um, Anyway, we will be back um, soon enough with another episode of the Idle Thumbs Ruination Online, uh, followed by another episode of the Idle Thumbs Video Game Podcast. So thank you for joining us.
1: Bye. Bye. Why is chat talking about dog vomit? All Whenever I, like dog vomit, it's goblin vomit. Goblin vomit. <laughs> <laughs> Catch him in bed with a goblin.